Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. How many guys are grateful that we have a God that can take any situation and flip the script and flip the switch? So I believe that uh, we can go from darkness to light by a flip of a switch. I believe that there's going to be some revelation moments throughout this series that hopefully um, just, again, uh, illuminates our heart to the reality and to the truth uh, of God's word that would cause us to move, that would cause us to grow, that would cause us to transition um, from any darkness into his marvelous light. And so today I want to speak to you a little bit about pain. And so I just entitled it, No Pain, No Gain, right? Pretty basic and simple and cheesy. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time together. And I ask that you would speak to our hearts in a real way. God, you've been doing so many incredible things, and we are so grateful. God, I've just got this picture of all these men in here at the breakfast worshiping. What a, a sight that was this weekend. And, Lord, I know the women's uh, breakfast is coming up in a couple weeks, and there's just something special that you're doing at our church, and we're just grateful to be a part of it. And so, God, speak to us in a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, this last week, uh, for all of you young people, I kind of felt like future because we were jumping on and off of jets. We were on airplanes left and right. All the young people got that. Everybody else was like, what? Um, but we were, we, were, we were on a lot of airplanes. We traveled to Colorado. I, I got back from Colorado and jumped on a plane, went to Los Angeles, uh, where in 30 minutes we raised $600,000 to send next generation millennial pastors to Israel. It was, in, it was incredible. I don't know why I'm at some of these places, but it has just been incredible. But, uh, but all three of my flights took off at 5.30 a.m., so I don't know about you, but if you've ever jumped on a plane at 5.30 a.m., that means you have to get up at 3 a.m. Now, you would ask, why would you do that to yourself? I'm sure you could take a guess because it's cheap. <laughs> Nobody wants to take those flights. And so 3 o'clock in the morning, you're getting three kiddos up out of bed. That's tough. But, but to be honest with you, that's the easy part because by 3 o'clock, I'm ready to go. You're excited. You're jumping on a plane. You're going somewhere. I love the airport. I'm that guy that loves the airport. I can sit in the airport and just watch people. I, I feel like um, this sense of, of, of destination, this sense of future, we're going somewhere. I just love the airport. I'm weird like that. And, and so the, the, the greatest pain, though, that, that I feel is is the sleep the night before. Because there's this, this anxiety that I'm going to oversleep and miss the plane. And so 10 o'clock, if you go, and we went to bed early. Like we put our kids down at 5 p.m. <laughs> because we want to get off the plane and, and run and play and have a great day. But for us, you know, I'm going to bed at like 10 and and then I'm up again at 11.30. Is it time? No, no, it's 11.30. Go back to sleep. And, and then again at 1 o'clock, is it, is it time? Or we, did I set my alarm? Let me check, make sure that the volume's up. Right? And then 2 o'clock, you're up and, and by that time, you're just up. And 3 o'clock rolls around, you're like, finally, I can just get out of bed. Exhausted. It's painful. But it's not as painful as missing your flight. 
right? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't buy insurance because it costs too much money. So I don't have the ability to, to change my flight. I know Southwest has some good options and stuff. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a flyer with Southwest. I even have a Southwest credit card so I can gain points. I mean, come on, we're, we're on a budget. We got to work the system, right? And so, so the, this, this sleep the night before, it's just, it's just turmoil, but it doesn't compare to losing money, missing your flight, trying to rearrange Three kiddos in the airport, delays, that's not worth it. So I'd rather have a little bit of pain on the front end and avoid a lot of pain on the back end. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down, is that pain is not always fun, but it's not always bad. Pain is not always fun, but it's not always bad. And we all believe this, at least most of us in here. Because we, we take anywhere from $17 a month, if you're Fitness 19, hello somebody, or 24-hour fitness, $49 a month, and we basically pay for pain. Like we say, I'm going to give you a monthly fee to go lift heavy things, right? I don't like helping my friends move. I don't like doing, you know, this or that. But when it comes to the gym, we're going to go and we're going to pay for pain. Some of us pay for pain and we don't even go. That's even more pain because you don't see any results. But we feel, we feel this, this, this sense of justification at the gym. It's, it's weird. We, we see this with our physical body that with some pain can come some gain, but we don't see that spiritually a lot. Spiritually, it just seems like we try to avoid pain at all costs, right? Like, little physical pain in the gym that's intentional, we can get by with that. But any spiritual pain, it's like, oh. But it's not always bad because in the gym we know no pain, no gain. If, if you want to gain, if you want things to change, it's going to require some pain. In fact, in Sam Chan's uh, book entitled Leadership Pain, he says it like this. He says, growth equals change. So if we want to grow, we have to change. Change equals loss. And loss equals pain. So in other words, growth equals pain. And so in areas of our life that we want to grow in, it's tough because many of us don't like change because change means loss. <laughs> I don't want to give up those sweets, right? Those late night um, when you sneak out of bed and you see if there's a popsicle, right? Or you got that ice cream in there and you're just, uh, I'm just going to take a couple of spoonfuls. I'm not even going to put it in the bowl. Because it makes us feel better about ourselves. That's loss and that's pain. We don't want to deal with that. But we all want growth. We all want growth. And we feel the pain when we're not growing, but we still try to avoid it. But then we want to grow, but we don't want pain. And so pain is not fun. But pain is not always bad. Now let me just make a clear statement. If you're going through a really tragic time, I'm not trying to make light of your pain. Because a lot of us are going through real stuff, real pain, in need of a real God. So, so I, I don't want to make light of your pain, but I'm saying that God is able to flip the switch in the middle of it. That God is able to, to do something in the midst of our pain that what appears to be a loss, God can make grow. See, in, in fact, the, the loss of pain or the absence of pain could be dangerous. There, there was a, a girl by the name of Tanya. She had a, a disease uh, which was like leprosy. It was a, a congenital indifference to pain. 
And her mother realized that she had this when she was in her, her playpen, and her mother left her to go do the dishes, came back, and she was painting on the wall with, uh, with you know, some red paint. But she realized that it wasn't red paint, that her daughter had bit off her finger, and she was painting on the wall, but she didn't feel it. And so as time went on, she, she struggled greatly. I mean, she ended up having both of her legs amputated, uh, all of her, uh, most of her, her, her fingers amputated. Uh, I think one of her arms, she would chew her tongue um, so much that would, it, would, it would just swell up in her mouth. It was so horrific, her dad left and just said, my daughter's a monster. But, but the truth is, Tanya wasn't a monster. She was just a perfect example of a life without pain. A life without it. In fact, Jesus doesn't pull any punches with us. And I always like to say, hey, listen, if you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean that all of your problems are going to get better. You're going to jump on this cloud and then you're jet setting, right? <laughs> and a lot of you who have been following Jesus for a while, you get it. That's not real. But there is a strength, there is a joy, there is a confidence, there is an anchor of your soul in the midst of it doing life with God. So you're going to have pain either way, with God or without God. It's just a whole lot easier with him. But Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He, he tells us this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you would have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I've been teaching this passage for a long time, and I never looked it up in the original language. Sometimes you got to lean in. Sometimes things in the scriptures become so familiar, you just kind of breeze right by them. So let me look at this passage. This word tribulation actually means in the Greek an inward pressure. And Jesus says, but take heart. He says, in this world, you're going to face some inward pressure. A lot of times when we preach this passage, we speak of external problems. You're going to go through some tough stuff. You're gonna... But the tough stuff creates an internal pain, an internal pressure that we wrestle with. But then he said, take heart or take courage. And it was really awesome because in the Greek, this means an inward confidence. And so it's, it's like the Lord is saying, listen, you're going to face inward pressure in this life, but if you process it with me, I can flip the switch to an inward confidence in the midst of. It's, it's inside. There, there's, there's pain happening on the inside that can go from an inward pressure to an inward confidence if we would process with him. I, I think sometimes it's not that pain is the enemy. It's our unwillingness and how we deal with it that becomes the enemy of our soul that determines an inward pressure or an inward confidence. So this is what I want us to do. I, I, I don't have, I'm going to be a little abstract today when it comes to pain because I know that this is a broad topic, but I, I want us to, to sit on the bench and I want us to lean in. Uh, anybody ever been to an art gallery? Uh, let, let me show you a picture. At an art gallery, you're always going to see a bench. And it's a bench because art was created for you to, to, to sit there for a minute and look at it. That it would speak to you, right? But who has time for that? I, I mean, like, like re, re, in reality, people are going to see the Mona Lisa like, cool, let me get a little selfie with it, Mona. All right, let's go get some coffee, right? Like who is really taking time to sit down and like, the Mona Lisa, speak to me, Right? <laughs> None of us, I, I think you, you look at this family, they're, they're sitting in front of beautiful art and they're, they're, they're having a conversation. The kid's probably playing a video game on his phone. It's like, 
But that's not what the bench was for. The bench was there to lean in. I, I think sometimes when it comes to pain, we look like this girl on the bench. We just don't want to look at it. So I don't even want to see the art. Or, you know, we can be encouraged that maybe she's looking up, you know, facts about it or something, right? But a lot of times with pain, we, we, don't, we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to, to look at it. We, we want to deny it. We don't want to, to lean in. But, but then, then art, this, this is an art gallery in Israel. This is a, a Monet. And I guess Monets look better like this, right? Wow, do you see it? Do you see it? But, but I think this is what God wants us to do is to lean into some truths today, to sit on the bench and just take a moment and figure out, man, how do we, how do we process our pain? Um, and I, I'm not going to solve the pain problem today, but I'm, I'm hoping to give you some high-level uh, tools that, that will help us process it. And, and we're going to look at three Joes today. We're going to look at Joseph, we're going to look at Joshua, and we're going to look at Job. And I think each one of these guys has experienced a, a lot of different aspects of pain. And we, we can learn on how to process. Like when pain strikes, what do we do? Let's sit on the bench. So I just want you guys to sit on the bench today and just lean in. Just lean into to a couple of these truths. And the first one is this. we got to choose community. The first thing is when we are experiencing pain, we have to choose community. Exodus chapter 17 says it like this. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Now, just to give you a little context, these guys just came out of uh, Egypt, out of slavery for 400 years, crossed the Red Sea by the miraculous hand of God. Um, they experienced God's uh, pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. God is providing food. Water has just come from a rock. Um, but then a battle, then some pain, then Amalek. And in all of our lives, there's always moments of then Amalek. Like everything was good, then Amalek. Right? Everything was great, then my spouse. Like everything was good, then anxiety. Everything was great, then the pressure. Everything was awesome, then insecurity. Then finances. Then the Bay Area, like, then traffic, everything was good, then. And there's always a pain moment for us in the Amalek. Blessing and battles. It's, it's just life. We would love life to be all blessing, but it's not real. There's both blessing and there's battles, but it's interesting. So Amalek, then Amalek. And then Moses responds, and look what he says. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Then Amalek, and Moses said, listen, we're not going to run. We're not going to deny. We're not going to try to, no. But this is what I need you to do, Joshua. I need you to choose. Make a choice to get some people around you. And get in the midst of this pain. Tackle it head on. Deal with it. And, and I, I, I got this video, I think, that paints a great picture. Check it out. Him down. This number of hyenas could kill him. Ah! 
at bay for much longer. He's tiring fast. His ally, Tartu, has heard the commotion. hyenas. A pair of male lions is too much to take on. It's so interesting. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? But, but I, I think it paints such a great picture because when it's a then Amalek, the temptation a lot of times, we want to fix it ourselves, we want to do it ourselves, and the enemy's like, perfect. The enemy's like, that's great, because I'm going to surround you and wear you out. I'm going to wear you out. I'm going to just keep picking at you. I'm going to keep fighting at you. And you're just like, I got it. I'm good. It's, it's great. Uh, you know, don't worry about me. Yeah, it's good. And it gets tired. Now, now, when I say choose community, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you're like, oh, okay, great. What do I do? Need to get in the small group? But, but no, no, no. Sit on the bench. Sit on the bench and just lean into that. Because when Joshua gets in this battle with, in community, just like with the lions, the odds change. That something supernatural begins to happen. Moses is gifted in a particular way, and he's up on the mountaintop, and his hands are lifted, and, and God is moving supernaturally. You know what, what happens in community? I think in Christ-centered community, why healing is able to take place in such a, a, a supernatural way is because God has gifted each of us uniquely. Like, I need people in my life that have the gift of encouragement. I need people in my life that have the gift of faith. I need people in my life that can come alongside of me and, and man, just start to invest in these particular areas, and they need me. I was looking at this clip, and I thought, I wonder how many of us would see somebody in danger like, I ain't got time, man, good luck. <laughs> see, for them, it's instinct. For us, it's a choice. We have to choose. They're driven by instinct. We're not. Like, he, he's not choosing to be by himself. He just Ends up by himself with 20 hyenas, and all they do is get around and try to wear you out. And the enemy in the midst of pain, especially pain that has existed over a long period of time, tries to wear you out. And I promise if you're trying to do it by yourself, it's only a matter of time until you get devoured. And so in the midst of pain, we have to choose community. God does supernatural things. I remember I sat in a small group, and it was one of the most pivotal moments of my life when I was having a, a, so much anxiety and nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody. I was suffering in silence. But God knew, and this woman put her hand on me, started to pray for me, and then she just starts saying, you have a horrible battle in your mind. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> and, and she just starts praying over me. Why? Because God has gifted her in the prophetic, and, and that gift spoke into my life, and the game started to change. It, my problems didn't end in that moment, but I was mindful that God was aware of me, and it gave me a wind to keep going. Are you with me on that? But you got to choose it. You got to choose it. The second one is this. The second one is 
God is working in the waiting. So in the pain, God, God is working in the waiting. We hate waiting. See, Joshua had to choose community. But Joseph had to figure out how to wait patiently. And it, it says this in Genesis chapter 37. It says, and Joseph had a dream. Anybody ever had a dream? It says, and Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Because he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to mine. What an awesome dream. <laughs> like, what? Like, who in the world are you? And then it skips down in verse 9. It says, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And they were like, we got to kill this guy, right? It's our brother, but we got to kill him. We got to get rid of him. Like, you're not going to rule over us. You really think you're going to rule over us. So nevertheless, it just didn't go good for Joseph. God had birthed a dream in his heart. But then after that, he found every angle of his life was a pain point. Every angle. His brothers sold him into slavery. Well, first of all, they leave him in a ditch. And then they're like, man, we can make some money off this dude. So they pull him out of the ditch. They, they sell him into slavery. He's falsely accused by his employer's wife. He's ignored and forgotten about by his friends in prison. And feels ignored by the God that gave him a dream. But, but somehow in, in all of this waiting, he was able to, to see that God was still working. And Joseph is kind of perplexing because the Bible doesn't talk about his grief or his struggle. But can I just tell you, when, when you've been betrayed, when you've been forgotten, when you feel like you've been ignored, when you've been sold, when you've been falsely accused, that's not a great day. And, and the thing for Joseph, it, it was like, God, you gave me this dream. And then it, then it like goes in reverse. It doesn't just get bad or I'm not just wading through a little bit of pain. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse until he's in prison in a dungeon. Like, really? Come on. But I'm so glad that Joseph didn't go from I had a dream to, man, I had a dream. Because he was able to see that God was working in the waiting. And, and, and this was, was so crazy because this wasn't like a couple of months. This was about 16 years of just pain. Every angle, pain, pain, pain. But God was working behind the scenes. See, what... what Joseph couldn't see, but somehow he was able to sit on the bench and just look at the truth. Like, I just, everything looks opposite, but I just need to stare at this for a minute. That, God, I know you're working in the waiting. I know it looks completely backwards. I need to tilt my head a couple times because I don't know what you're doing. But you're, you're working in the waiting. And, and God was. God was working in the courts of Pharaoh. This, this blows my mind. A famine was coming to the land. God was working in the atmosphere. 
in the weather conditions all around the globe that would be a fulfillment of what he had promised Joseph. God was working in his brothers, and most of all, God was working in his heart. He was forming him. He was probing him. He was, he was shaping this man that would not lose his faith in the midst of the pain. And, and for some reason, somehow, and, and I'm not saying this is easy by any means, but, but, I, but I have experienced a moment where, you know, you guys remember I sold my car or I bought a car on Craigslist and I got scammed. And I, I went from like 11,000 to zero. And I just felt like, man, my wife's going to kill me. Like, this is the end of the road. And, and we had just really, it was our first year of, of, of coming to Fountain. And so I'm like, man, God, like, what's up, dude? Like, can you? And so, and I felt so low. And I, I couldn't imagine God was working because everything that I was looking at was, was devastating. And everybody told me, like, ooh, Craigslist, sorry, bro, like, you're gone. I, I told the guys yesterday, you know, th there's, there's a physical realm, but there's also a spiritual realm. If, if we're only looking physically, if we lose sight and we can't see what God is doing behind the scenes, if we don't understand that God is working in the waiting, if we, if we can't see that, then what's going to happen is if all you see is the physical, you're going to get discouraged. At some point, you're going to quit. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you. He wants you exhausted. He wants you tired. He wants you discouraged. But there is a, a, a spiritual realm where God is working, where God is faithful. But we have to understand what he's doing. And, and long story short, with, with the story with my car, God was working behind the scenes. He was working with people. He was positioning me in such a way where not only did I get my money back, he paid me an extra hundred. But I would have never saw that. I just thought, man, uh, what do I do now? I have a car that I got scammed on. I guess I just have to wait. And God said, yeah, you're waiting, but I'm working. So you got to keep stepping. And so I, I think sometimes in the waiting we get so frustrated. We get, we get uh, it's so hard. I, I told the guys yesterday, uh, we want to win sometimes so bad that we lose sight of God's will. In other words, let me just show you what I told them. Do you want his will more than you want your win? Because God was working things out. God sees a picture that we don't see, and I know it's hard, and I know it's tough. Believe me, I know. But God is working in the waiting, and if we can just sit down once in a while and just lean into that, I think, man, the spirit of God can give some peace as we look at the scripture. Don't just breeze through it like, oh, that's cool. Oh, great, great. Uh, all right. Got a nice couple of texts. That's great. No, no. Look how God is working in the waiting all throughout the scripture. He's faithful. He's faithful. And the last one is this. That we need to rest in God's character, not in explanations. This is one that we just really have to sit like this. We got to get close to this one. Because all of us want explanations, especially in America. Like, God, I, I just don't know about your character because I don't understand. I don't have an explanation for this pain. Like, come on, what about them? And I've been faithful. That's the worst. 
when you're having that spiritual tantrum, like you see everybody, hey, 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 great. Then you go behind, like, I've been faithful. Where are you? And I can't think of anybody that's experienced this more than Job. Joshua had to choose community. Joseph had to understand that God is working in the waiting. But Job was just a hot mess. I took a picture of my Bible. And let me show you. Because the title of the, of the chapter is Job Loses Everything. And I wanted you to see this because it was like catastrophic. Job's sons and daughters, they were having a feast. They all get wiped out. His family. And then, while that servant is telling him, another servant comes and says, the oxen, the sheep, they're gone. All your servants except me, I survived. Then another one comes and says, hey, it's happened. I don't know what's going on. They all died. And just, <clears throat> and Job's like, okay. And he worships God. He, he says, okay, Lord, I, I'm going to make it. I, I, I'm good. And it says he worshiped God in that moment. But he didn't stay there. He worshiped God in the beginning, but by the end of Job, he was blaming God. Because, see, you got to understand Job's paradigm and, and the context that he lived in and the wisdom of that day. Let me show you what it looked like. See, they, they understood that this is how life worked. This is called the tension triangle of Job. That God was just. This is how the world operates. God's justice, the principle of retribution, meaning cause and effect, I'm really good, so blessings come down. I work really hard. God sees you're good. Let me, let me give a couple off. Let, let it rain. You're awesome. <laughs> Righteous people, right? And then there's Job's righteousness. Because he's just an upright dude. Like, God acknowledges that. The enemy acknowledges that. Like Job is living right. The enemy thinks that he's not going to stand after everything is taken away from him. So the spiritual warfare moment happens in the beginning of Job. But Job doesn't know any of this is going on. So Job loses everything. And this paradigm works except the moment Job started to suffer, all of a sudden everybody's looking back like, what's wrong with the, what's wrong with the triangle here? And his friends go, oh, surely Job. Like, suffering doesn't work in this triangle, so surely you did something wrong. Come on, Job. Were you clicking on something last night, dude? Right? You yelling at your wife? You got some secret stuff going on? Come on, Job, just tell us. Job's like, no, dude, I'm not doing anything. Like, come on, yeah, yeah, you are. I mean, look what's happened to you, man. You lost everything. Like, God's not happy with you, bro. They didn't have a context for suffering. It's, it was like, no, no, no. It, bad people suffer, but not good people. But now a good person is suffering. They're like, what? Certainly he's not good. Certainly something's wrong with Job. So his friends start blaming him. Then Job's like, no, man, like, like I'm good. So then Job goes, well, maybe that's not how it works. Maybe it's not cause and effect. Maybe it's not the, this, this principle of I do good and, and then God blesses me. But that messes up his whole paradigm. Job's like, that, that can't be true because I'm a righteous dude and this is how we've been living. I, I live righteously and then I'm blessed. So 
So the only other conclusion is God just must not be just. And how many of us have digressed to that place? Where we're suffering in pain and it's like, man, did I do something? And you've combed yourself. Some of you guys are like, I did a lot of things, but you're so gracious, God, right? But some of us have, have fallen down that, that, that digression. We, we, we think that, man, I, I've been doing really good. How come I'm suffering? And then when the pain gets so tough, confusion, difficulty, we think, well, then, God, something must be wrong with you. And so Job was convinced of this so much so that he was like, I want my day in court. Like, God, I want to stand before you. And let's work this out. I am a blameless dude. Why is all this happening? So God shows up. And in that moment, they think that Job thinks he's getting an explanation. And his friends are like, see, God's going to tell you, you're done, bro. (laughs) Everything's going to be exposed. TMZ. This is going to be great. And in that moment, there's neither condemnation nor explanation. God shows up in a whirlwind, and this is what he says. He says just a litany of things. First, he tells Job, hey, brace yourself like a man. Uh, Right? (laughs) And then he starts asking Job a ton of questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed the measurements? Surely you know, right? Or who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its foundations laid or who set the core in its place? And he asked them all these questions and Job's like. And then he takes it further. He said, well, let me talk to you about these creatures, Leviathan and Bohemoth. What do you know about them? And, and these were, were, were creatures that represented chaos and evil in the world. You know what to do with that, Joe? And he comes to a place where he realizes that it's just not that simple. Like, I had this paradigm where I wanted to be in control of how life worked, and, and, but it's, it's way more complex than I realized. And God is like, man, there's forces at work that you have no understanding about, bro. There are things happening that you have no understanding. And so Job in this moment does not get answers. But he gets an infinite, wise God who knows all and is in control of all things. And Job concludes, that's enough. That's enough. And he goes on to say this. He goes on to say this. He says, I know that you can do all things. This is Job's now. Now Job is recanting. He says, I know you can do all things and that no plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this? You ask, who is this who conceals my counsel without knowledge? Right? This was Job himself challenging God. He said, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you. Like I've I've heard of you. But now my eyes have seen you. Job's like, I don't get it, but I get you. Like, I don't understand what's happening, but I understand your character. 
And Job says, therefore, I retract my words. I repent in dust and in ashes. And, and this is the crazy part. This, Job surrenders. Job surrenders. But does he surrender because he can see it all? God didn't say, hey, Job, let me tell you how this is going to work. You know, in the beginning, there was a spiritual warfare. The devil came, and he was, like, wanting to test you. And I'm like, I know you can handle your right. And then I know you lost all your kids, but here's how I was piecing all these dots together. Doom, doom, doom. This is how it was going to work out. This is how the situation was going to play. And then I know you lost all your cattle, but we had a plan for that. And then we're gonna, this is how it was going to, the dots were going to connect. And he didn't get any of that. No answers. No answers. If you're taking notes, jot this last point down. Job never sees it all. He only sees God. He only sees And so I know this is a lot, but I just want to encourage you today to grab a seat and to look at these three aspects and say, am I choosing community? Like, who do I have around me? Do I need to choose today? Some of you need to look at the reality of Scripture. You're just going through life so fast and, and just like, man, God's not moving. God's not working. God's not just waiting and it's just not, you know, it's just it's like slow down. Just sit on the bench. I know it's crazy. I know it hurts. I know it's out of control. But just slow down and realize who, who we're talking about. Like God has been faithful throughout the ages. He's outlasted kings, kingdoms, empires, civilizations. Like, he's got it. But you know, there, there's a passage in Hebrews chapter 11. Us pastors, we like to preach the first half, but we don't like to preach the last half. Because the first half says, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith, and all these, all these moments that worked well. But then at the end of the chapter, it says, by faith, some were sawed in two. By faith, some were, they had all their limbs pulled apart. Some were eaten by lions, but they were all considered faithful. See, we have to understand that as a follower of Jesus, we have to have a context of suffering because we're not promised. As a pastor, I'm not exempt from sickness and disease. And I believe God heals all that stuff. I believe God can heal. Does he all the time? He doesn't. Why? I don't know. He's seen like Job. I wish I had a lot of those explanations. But sometimes I don't see explanations. I only see him. Because his wisdom is far more infinite than I could ever imagine. And that's not a cop-out. Just to say, well, God's just big and we just don't understand. There's a lot of understanding that goes into it. There's a lot of answers for um, the hope that lies within us. But when, when we're dealing with pain, it's hard to wrestle through that. And I just want you to know today that if you're suffering, it's not because... God is mad at you. Listen, some of us, we suffer be pain because of decisions we've made, and there's consequences, and I get that. But, uh, but even in the midst of that, God is faithful, and God can flip the switch. God can flip the switch. But, but the goal is that, is that we're saying, man, um, Lord, we're, 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 we're moving toward you, and we're going to trust you. Job had an invitation not to answers but to trust. And that's the invitation God gives us today. Probably not going to get all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But there's an invitation to trust a God who does and has been faithful. He has a great track record.
that we can count and depend on him when it doesn't make sense. So choose community. Don't do life alone. Don't fight by yourself. Know that God is working in the waiting. And then lastly, listen, just make it a point to lean into this this truth that you may not see it all, but as long as you see God, it's all you need. It's all you need. So rest in him, not in the explanations.